Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome back to the Grow Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Katrina Burris. Katrina is the CEO and founder of Excellent Executive Coaching, LLC, and is known for fast-tracking leaders to the C-suite and beyond, and for transforming brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. Today, Katrina is talking to us all about brilliant jerks. We are going to learn what they are, why they're harmful for your business, and what you can do if you yourself is the brilliant jerk within your small business. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Can you kick us off with introducing yourself? Well, thank you. First, I'm delighted to be on your podcast. And uh, so my name is Dr. Katrina Burus, and I am an executive coach. And I also was a coach for the Swiss government for seed companies that are starting up. So, and in, in that role, I was helping them develop their accelerated growth and to do it as a leader and develop their teams. The other thing I do is uh, uh, I'm known for managing what I call affectionately brilliant jerks that are brilliant, absolutely have a fabulous expertise that the company really values, but at the same time are interpersonally blind. And the fact that they rub, you know, they're, they're aggressive in their ways or belittling or, you know, just a little bit toxic, that uh, it increases turnover. People are reacting according to their mood instead of what's best for the company. So I work with those profiles that I call brilliant jokes. Right. You know, as you were saying that, it reminded me back of my corporate days. I had this, it was a kind of like a one-off assignment where I was working with this one sales director. And I would say he was definitely one of those people who was a brilliant jerk. And even when my boss got into the middle of a situation that was going on and was talking to his boss, his boss pretty much said, well, he was one of the top producers last year. So it is what it is. And my boss having to be like, yeah, but he can't talk to my team that way. That is not appropriate. So there's, there's always those people who do really well for the company financially, but they're just a pain to work with. And you underline a very important issue. It's that because they're excellent at what they do, uh, no one tells them that their behavior is uncivil, that their behavior is not acceptable or that they need to change. So, or they're so strong personalities that uh, if they have in a sort of avoidant boss, he tiptoes around them. And of course the issue is never addressed. I mean, 
there's some people that, you know, hospitals that look for a brilliant heart surgeon all over the U.S., court him, uh, court her. And uh, finally, they, he accepts and he moves to their hospital and they find out he has terrible bedside manners. So what do they do? And this situation can last for years without really addressing the issue. Right. And I think this is a very important issue for small businesses. I know you work a lot with more larger businesses, but for small businesses, it's so important because of two things that can be happening. One, you might be the brilliant jerk in your company and your employees are not liking having to work for you, which produces a lot of high turnover. Or two, your company's small. You have a very low number team. So maybe there's only two of you or three of you, but that one person is producing so well, but they're making you miserable in your own company. And you're kind of going back and forth of what do you do? Because you can't easily get rid of half your workforce, especially when they're a high producer. So what advice do you have for people in those situations? So first for the person that has abrasive ways or uncivil ways, they think they're performing extremely well. And if you look at the results, they are. But they undervalue the interpersonal as something that that's not the role to do. That could be one reaction. Or they they think uh, basically they're unaware. They're unaware that their ways, how it's impacting other people. Like some right. people can say, oh, let's make really bad jokes or lewd jokes and, and think it's they're being very funny and it's really affecting people negatively and uh, or hurting their feelings. So how do we deal at first if they don't value it? That's one approach. And if they uh, are unaware, that's another approach. Right. Uh, if they're unaware, to say that example, is really they have to entice them to have ne- feedback from different people. If um, there's somebody on top of them, meaning uh, a boss, for example, or someone, a partner, that says, really, you got to address it, uh, then one way is to really research how he's perceived, both in the positive and also what he could improve instead of saying what is negative. And, uh, and then bring that data back anonymously, of course. Okay, right. so that's sort of like a shocker for the person that are unaware. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that reminds me of, this, this was years ago. And you say like sometimes just people aren't aware of it. My, my husband gave me feedback once. He goes, you know, sometimes you get in conversations and you're very, very abrupt with your answer. Like you're very to the point, but sometimes it comes off like condescending in a way. And I kind of like blew him off. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that's just your point of view. Like it, that's not really true. And then I pretty much got the same feedback on a performance review. So then coming from someone else that I, that I worked with, that in certain situations when things aren't going right, that I could be very abrupt, kind of condescending in my answer, like this should have been right. Like, why isn't it right? And just fix it. And I was like, oh, now that I, like it was two different people. So one professional, another one personal life, like bringing this feedback to my attention, I was aware of it. And then I had the ability, because I was aware of it, 
to stop it in the future. But if I, no one ever brought it to my attention, I would have never known that, that I was coming off that way, that people were perceiving my conversations that way. And I would have never had the opportunity to get ahead of it and fix it myself. Oh, good for you that you could fix it yourself. Sometimes it's a uh, nonverbal uh, an example I love to, to give is a, a woman that was brilliant, but interpersonally she needed to improve. Uh, she was uh, responsible for Asia, the business development, and had uh, employees under her leadership. And uh, the feedback gave that was given back and detailed you have to give back is that she, she walked three steps ahead of her employee. They're Asian, remember, you know, saving face is super important. Right. And uh, they would ask a question and she would roll her eyes and go, <sighs> you know, she was brilliant. So all these questions seemed a bit, you know, elementary to her. Right. And she rolled her eyes and, and huffed. And, and when she got the uh, feedback, because, you know, you need to get good feedback, she could immediately implement a difference. But that she was unaware of. Like right. you mentioned, you're unaware until you get that feedback. Sometimes it's a lot harder to have that behavior change. For example, they can be right. triggered by something. Uh, they say something about, I don't know, uh, about them not being a good performer on something and they just that triggers them something behind their family or whatever and uh, they lose it emotionally so those are triggers and that's a little bit more complex uh, it's uh, you have to go back and uh, really discover those issues and bring them to light it also can be a difference in personality like you're you know let's get the business let's get this done uh, focus on the results uh, and not be always aware of the interpersonal and how it's affecting somebody very different than you. Okay. Right. Sometimes my husband can say, uh, Hey, you know, you're really stressed and you're short and you're, you're abrasive. Yeah. But that's one thing when you do it every now and then when you're stressed, for example, or disappointed, but if you do it on a chronically, chronically all the time, and mm -hmm. it's, it has an insidious effect. And some brilliant jerks are charming. And then they can just push your button. Right. Does that ever then cause, cause problems? Because someone might say, well, I only act this way when X happens. And because the people around me, X just keeps happening. So therefore, it's not my fault because it's a reaction versus me trying to put it forth all the time. So it's a reaction, their reaction to a situation? Yeah. Yes, but uh, at one point, if it doesn't bring the productivity of the company or the relationship forward, it's counterproductive. And they need to be more aware of that because finally, e even the, the brilliant jerk, what he wants is results. So right. how can he strategically behave or how could she be alter her behavior slightly to get the results she wants faster, but at the same time by slightly modifying her behavior. So it's not a question of not getting the results, but it's not, 
It's on the contrary, it's getting better results, people feeling better and getting what they need to develop to get the results. So let's, let's say a, a difference between a, a brilliant jerk and a demanding leader with high standards. The brilliant jerk, he's triggered or unaware, wants the results, and when the results are not there, reacts emotionally, gut feeling, boom. Uh, the, the demanding leader with high standards wants high standards and certainly wants results. But the difference is when there's something that doesn't work or the employee could not get the results they wanted, they think, they step back and they think, okay, is this person unable or unwilling? And then adapts their leadership, that's leadership agility, and says, okay, if he's unable, then I have to compartmentalize the project or give him a mentor or give her a mentor. Or I have to um, uh, make a bigger team that has the skill set that he's missing. Example. Right. So brainstorms what will help this individual to make it a success. Or put him in a different position uh, where he can succeed or where she can. Right. Well, well um, the, if the person is unwilling to do the job, then there's a whole different strategy. You have to go to the person, what's... It's a motivational issue. So, what are you? Uh, uh, what's what's the underlying issue? Uh, what's the problem? Why are you reacting this way? And have this discussion. So, in, in other words, the brilliant jerk reacts emotionally, threatens, is aggressive, uh, tries to squeeze out the results or the disappointment that they feel. And the demanding boss really tries to step back and analyzes now what's the underlying issue and what's the appropriate behavior to get the results they want. Right. I love that. And that aligns so much with what I tell people all the time, especially when it comes to expectations and the expectations not being met or when mistakes happen within a company. One of the things I tell my clients all the time is, all right, when a mistake happens, especially for small businesses, a lot of mistakes when they happen, they're costing that business owner personally money or time and stuff like that. I'm like, don't take your emotion out on your employee. Call me up. If you need to yell at someone, yell at me because I know it's not my fault. I know you're not mad at me, but if you just need to vent, I'm there for you. Don't take your emotions to your employee because it's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to do anything positive. And then kind of going back to you know, what you said about that demanding leader. Okay. Figuring out what, what happens, what are the next steps, gathering all the facts, figuring out, okay, was, did the person make a mistake? Was there a lack of training? Was there like, what went on to cause this? So how do we correct it? And if needed, how do we prevent it from happening again in the future? So, yeah, I love what you're saying. Cause it's so much aligned. It's great advice. You know, what is the strategic outcome they want and uh, what will produce it and, and uh, create, uh, because a leader has followers and those followers need to be engaged, wanting to do it, see the bigger vision and uh, feel like the leader is also there for their success. Right. So one of the questions I have for you, for a lot of our audience, they're small business owners. So they don't have partners. They don't have a board or anybody that they're reporting to. Anyone who can really go and tell them that they're being a brilliant jerk. 
because uh, everyone reports to them. So what are some things that they can look out for to start identifying themselves to see if they're falling into becoming a brilliant jerk to their staff and to the other team members that, that they're working with and, and even their clients or other relationships that they have? So I have a seven-step process, but uh, to give a, a part of it is with small teams and if they feel like they're aware that they could do better or they're being told, uh, is first uh, probably go through coaching and find out how they make decisions. Uh, what is their psychological profile? What do they like to do and what they don't like to do? For example, I have a, an assessment tool and it says some people are super analytical, you know, brilliant in the analytical and they do things faster and more productively and they have unconscious competence meaning they're not even aware that they're so good at it. Right. And they might project onto the other person, why this is so easy for me. Why can't you figure this out? You know? Right. So it's to be that awareness, where is their brilliance and where's their blind spots, which can happen through coaching and then assessments. Uh, some, some of my clients were analytically incredible. They get things much faster than anybody, but they were under, let's say, didn't put as much attention on the interpersonal. So once they become aware, uh, then it's a lot, they're smart, uh, at least the, my clients are smart. They can figure out what they can do better, but they do need practice because it's not only awareness, you need to be able to practice new behaviors. So it becomes a habit. Right. I would say that's, uh, is to, to develop that insight and then see them apply. And when, since you do a lot of teams, it's very good to have an observer observe the team and how that leader interacts with, the, uh, with their employees or by shadowing them, you know, help them, uh, not uh, help them, but just see their day and how they interact and get immediate feedback when they increase their credibility and what they said and did that decrease their credibility. I had a, one leader uh, that was at Nestle that I was coaching and uh, in his team, he was quite brilliant right away, but then he repeated himself second time, third time. And each time he would start out so well, and then each time he sort of lost some credibility with this team. Okay, so that's something very tangible that you can give feedback. And once he was aware, was much more adept with his team. Another case of a leader that was a little bit uh, abrasive in a, in a team environment, uh, he, at the beginning of the year, had a group of very successful team members. And at the beginning of the year, he had a strategy, the mission, he explained what each one needed to contribute to the bigger purpose. And at the end of the year, nothing got done. And yet each team member individually was very good at what they did, but they didn't collaborate. So there is also by being a witness and having them be one more aware of the team identity, the team values, the team uh, brilliance and where they're interpersonally blind. 
So for example, to get a specific, this was with Philip Morris, uh, the, the team, they challenged each other. One would propose an idea, develop it very well, and the next would come in and have a, a, like a sporting game of how to destroy it. And so once, that's just an example, but once they were aware of what they were doing, they were trying to outwit and outsmart each other, and it, it, it got to a zero-sum game. Once they were aware of that, then made something that's playful, that each time they did that and didn't contribute to the idea, they would have to put some money in a pot. Yeah. Uh, and just challenge them because they love to be challenged. Just challenge them in a different way. And that really helped uh, them to realize their behavior within this team. The other thing that helped was to say, uh, to interview each one team member and seeing what ideas they had uh, to improve the company and uh, what they needed from their boss, what they expected for the relation to be more productive. And then bringing that information as a team, not as an individual, as a team. These are the issues as your team that came up. And then when you work with them on a team, you know the underlying issues, they know you know, and then you just bring it in a very positive way, the underlying issues that is not working and how they can overcome it. So those are the different ways. One is insight again, individually, because I, you can't waste anybody's time. These are high, high achievers. So you have to bring them something that they can learn on an individual level, collect that information on a team level, and work with the team, both in the... As, as their personalities or their blind spots and their brilliance, and also the underlying issue with that particular relationship between the team member and the leader and bring it back uh, and have them resolve it in front of you, really. So if there's a situation where there's, there's obvious problems, you know, there's something going on, but the team is not so open about sharing about what they're experiencing. They're not very open to giving feedback because they, because there's been that brilliant jerk, they're afraid. What can be done to help encourage people to give open and honest feedback, even when it's negative, constructive feedback? But that's feedback that needs to be heard so change can be made. So part of the process I go, uh, I help the leader with is first to create self-awareness, then uh, to create awareness with their particular boss. Why? Because they're motivated uh, to get to understand their boss better because they have an impact on their career. And then uh, find information by interviewing the stakeholders and bringing that back. Uh, the information as well in a team context. And uh, then working with that person to implement new behavior. Tell me your question again. So for as a business owner, as a leader, when you're identifying that maybe things aren't going as great on a team as they should be, there's some negative feelings or stuff like that, but the team is not open to provide feedback because they're afraid of being penalized for saying something negative. 
but you want them to share that, that negative feedback because it's the only way you can improve on. How do you encourage people to provide the feedback, the honest feedback that you're looking for? Yes, thank you for repeating the question. So what I wanted to say is that in the beginning, I work individually with the, the, the brilliant jerk, as I call them, uh, so that they become aware in that self-awareness, some of the reactions that they might be causing, uh, especially when I give them feedback about their teams and everything. So they, they need to know that when he behaves a certain way, this is the reaction. Then I go to the uh, individuals, their stakeholders, and interview them and ask them, what's the underlying issue? I bring that information back, but not identifying who said what in a very neutral language. I people overview the report that comes back to the leader. Right. So now it's like, whoa, he's aware. He's really aware. So once then they go into a team setting, you know the underlying issues of each team member with that leader. And you know that the leader has been really working on being more aware of what behavior provokes what's reaction. And then it's really, he's already, or she has already been sort of made aware that they need to listen before they react. They already need to be aware that they can't project their assumptions. And that's really on an individual level is, okay, what do you think that reaction caused? Oh, they don't have any ideas. I asked them, get me some ideas and nothing comes back. I said, well, why do you think that could happen? What, 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 what are they thinking that they're not giving ideas? Oh, because they have nothing, because they're scared. Oh, mm, yeah, they have nothing or they're scared. So what, what might they be apprehensive about? You know, you, you dig in and you dig in and you dig in. And right. you go beyond the first two, three assumptions to create some insight. So now they have insight, but they don't know really how to react. Okay, they're aware, but they don't know. Okay, it's, it, you know, behavior change takes time. Right. That team meeting is very important to give them constant feedback. You know, did you see that when you did this, this happened? Did you see, uh, was that your objective? Now, when you screamed at him and he started, your direct report started to stutter. What do you think happened there? Right. And, and digging in. Right now, these are smart people, huh? Yeah. They're smart people. So if you bring them good feedback, detailed, uh, they're aware. But it's like, whoa, awareness brings insight. Yeah. So it could be one of those things that, you know, to kind of put together everything you're saying, if your team is not giving you the feedback that you need, and you're already aware of that as, as the business owner, one of the ways to really overcome those challenges in your business is work work with a third party, work with someone on the outside, get yourself a coach, someone that can guide you through those conversations and help you help you see everything from that neutral spot to guide you to the point where you can get the feedback and have the relationships you need with your team members. Absolutely, very good comment. Now look, look at uh, a brilliant jerk or a very toxic leader, but brilliant, uh, and uh, he has to talk with his boss. So the boss in that question is probably apprehensive, uh, might be aggressive, um, might be scared that he'll 
like you mentioned earlier, he's giving such good results. God forbid he's going to leave the company or she's going to leave the company. Uh, so you really have to work with the, the leader that has behavioral issues, that behaves in, in an right. uncivil manner, and say, we need to get information. And information is you let me do it. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with the interpersonal. And you need to observe. And I give them things that they need to observe. And it can be, uh, what is their leader's um, objective? What are they scared about? What are they passionate about? Uh, what is, are, is their mission? So they come in with you know, a lot of questions. So they have to listen. And with the boss, I help them sit, discuss what is exactly their expectation of this person. What do they want to change and how is it? What are the key performance indicators on a behavioral level? And, uh, and then help them help the boss express it in very, very uh, how to say, very clear manner. Because a lot of times I said, so what did your boss say Why you're having coaching? And oh, because um, oh, he thinks I should talk to somebody in a better way, but you know, God, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to get results. You know, this is fuzzy wuzzy stuff. They want me to make, make me soft. <laughs> that could be a conversation. So it's really um, helping this conversation just as a one of the second, third process, excuse me, between the boss and the, the leader that has uncivil behavior is to help each one communicate and get the information. And then uh, it's the next process is to implement the new behavior. And that's hard too. You know, when being tough and aggressive and result focused has made them very successful over the years. And now you're telling them that they can't do that? You know, or saying, hey, so you want me to be unsuccessful? And that's a shortcut in their reasoning. Right. So I know we already kind of briefly talked about this, but I want to dig a little bit more because I feel like it's such an important part is when we talk about these brilliant jerks. So let's say you have a team member who is falling into that brilliant jerk category, but they're producing for your company. So your company is benefiting financially because you have this person when it comes to their sales. How is this person negatively impacting a company? Why is this something that you need to deal with as a business owner? Right, because someone that does uh, very toxic behavior or uncivil behavior, basically the people around them are tiptoeing around them and they react according to the person's mood instead of what's best for the company. So, and the other thing is for the leader in question that gives good results, he's not seeing in time the underlying issues that are not working. Why? Because no one wants to communicate it and be screamed at. So right. certain issues don't surface in time and they need to surface for them, the boss to resolve it. So issues aren't addressed. And of right. course, you, uh, someone that has a very uncivil behavior causes stress, causes health issues, people don't sleep at night, so they come in tired, they're, they're 
health issues, as I say, you know, and uh, there can be presenteeism, which means that they're in the office, they're sort of working, but their mind isn't at it. They're, they're still processing how that person reacted meanly toward them as, as they perceive it uh, and feel hurt. So they're right. there, but they're not really producing. There's a whole series, you know, and turnover, excess turnover. There's research that says that people choose a company, but they leave because of a bad boss. Right. Yeah. And, go ahead. Yeah. and I would say, and it might not necessarily even be the boss that they're reporting to, but it could just be someone else within the company that they're having to interact with on a frequent basis. So if we look at that, the cost of the company, just to recap what you said is one, you're, they might not be bringing issues to your attention, which means you can't get in front of them as a business owner. So think of it like the Titanic. If you wait until you're at the iceberg to start turning, it's much harder to turn and save the boat than it is if you started turning miles and miles and miles beforehand. So you might end up in a spot where you can't recover from. Your employees are not as productive as they should be. So therefore, you're paying people to produce lower quali quality or lower quantity of work. And, two, and three, then there's turnover. And turnover is expensive because then you need to spend time hiring and training a new team member, getting them up to speed. And, and it costs money, time, and energy to refill positions. So while that brilliant jerk might be bringing in revenue for your business, they could be costing your business more when it comes to that bottom line. Yes. And if the, the company has a reputation of having a, you know, difficult leaders, it's a lot harder to employ people because yes. it's happened to me. It was a fabulous job in an academic institution, executive academics. Okay. So, uh, but I found out that they're not conducive to women and promoting women at all, that in fact, they're machistas. So I didn't go. Right. So hiring yeah. is even, getting talent is even harder. Yep. Yeah, I even know from my time in corporate, there were certain accounts because of the sales directors that were over that business that people did not want to work for those accounts. It was hard to find people that wanted to work there and people that got on those accounts would leave because it was just a struggle every day. And you don't want that in your business because especially when you're a small business, reputations matter. When you don't, especially if people don't know, know your company very well, they're not using your products, they're not super familiar with you. And then they go and they're asking around and people are like, oh, I used to work for their, them. Like, you do not want to work for that manager. You don't want to work for that boss. Like, you're not going to be able to find the talent that you need. Absolutely. But do you know that there's research work that says that 74% of successful leaders have had at least one intolerable boss, uh, excuse me, yeah, one intolerable leader in their life. Yes. You know, that makes three out of four of us will encounter a very difficult boss or employee. I know I definitely had one. Pardon me? I said, I know I definitely had one. Yeah, so did I. So, yep. you know, so it's good to also learn about conflict resolution when it is uh, really affecting you in a very negative manner. For example, I had one executive, you know, of a multinational, high-powered, okay? So not a newbie in the 
in the corporate world. And he called me and said, look, you know, uh, I don't know what's happening to me because um, I'm the speaker of the company every year at the end of the year. And I've been complimented because I express myself very well. And what's happening to me now is that, you know, I, I'm stuttering. People say I react strangely, that I don't make sense. And I'm getting, you know, skin reactions. Whoa. That is critical that he takes care of himself or herself. So that's one of the clients I was coaching uh, that was very affected by, by his boss to such a degree that he was even incapacitated. And I'm not talking about a new employee. I'm talking about an executive or company. So it can be really extremely detrimental individually and in the performance of that person. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And I know um, I've talked about my personal experience of being in a real toxic environment with a, with a boss that was, was definitely a brilliant jerk on this podcast before. So if anyone wants to go back, if you haven't caught that episode yet, it's episode 35, where I talk about the four common mistakes that can lead to a toxic workplace. And I share a lot of information about one of my experiences of, of working for a company that that had some brilliant jerks there, and it was not a place where I wanted to continue working. Yes, give me give us an example of one of your experiences. So, with it, uh, one of the experiences that I shared on that podcast example was it was a husband and wife that owned the company together, and the one day I had a lot of interactions with the husband. And when we worked remotely, we had to send a status report at the end of the day of what we did. I sent a status report and said and updated her because that interaction took a lot of my time that day and just gave a little overview of it. Well, my overview didn't match what he had told her. So I got an email back the next working day. When I opened up my computer, it said, you know, we need to talk about this situation and we need to have a very constructive feedback conversation. And mostly, and she put in there because I lied about what I said. And I was just like, hold on, wait, like I didn't lie about anything. Like I just gave you an overview of what happened because that's what I'm supposed to do in my status report. And it was, she came at it like I was, I was wrong. And luckily in that situation, she did listened to what I, what actually happened in that situation, got the feedback, and then was like, oh, I guess you're right. I need to go back and talk to him about what happened because your story makes so much more sense than his. But it was starting with that thing of like, I was terrified to get on that call because I was like, what did I do? And, and that was just like one of the things. And that's how things were a lot of the times where it was emotions and anger and stuff first before they really knew anything that actually went on, where I, I hated getting on the phone calls with, with my boss or going into the office when we had to be there because it was just such a negative environment. Well, you underlined two important things. One, she accused you of lying, which is below the belt in some ways, you know? Right. Uh, right away. And the second error she did was uh, saying something, taking a position without going to the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if she wasn't there, so she can't really state something like that. So she she could have said, "Okay, what's your position? I've heard differently. What is what are you taking away from um, this situation?" And then go to the other person and maybe have you speak each, with each other. But right. 
but to come and accuse you of something, you know, which is value-based. You know, honesty is very important. So she's criticizing right. by saying you're dishonest, really, uh, without without going back. It's, um, it's a little bit toxic, yep. Right. No, it definitely was. I was, I was more than happy to get out of that job, and thankfully so. I found the right career after that that led me down the path that that brought me exactly here. Gave me the education, knowledge, and experiences to now be able to help small businesses in the way I do today. Wonderful! So, what a wonderful uh, job you have. Yes, it was great. Yeah. So, all right. We are getting towards the end of our time together. So tell people how they can get in touch with you. By going to my website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com. Excellentexecutivecoaching.com. There are uh, downloads, how to stop abrasive behavior. And another one on an organizational level, what you need to do to make sure you encourage good behavior, good leadership behavior and good generally behaviors, things, processes that you can do place in the organization or in a company so that it is not the emergence of brilliant jerks. Right. Sounds good. All right. So everyone go and get that download. All right. And my last question for you that I love to ask everybody, we've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager you have had, and can you share with us what made them stand out as a great leader to you? Uh, the, the leader that impacted uh, my career a lot, both helping uh, develop my, my business, but also giving me the confidence is uh, Peter Brabeck, who was the past CEO and chairman of Nestle. Uh, he... I, I was in finance and uh, I was always interested in what makes a company more highly valued because of its leadership. And when I, I said, banking is not for me, it's a corporate world and I'm not really, I'm a more of an entrepreneur. So I left, but I was still very interested in getting to know about leadership. So I went to a conference at the University of Geneva because I grew up in Switzerland and uh, I saw Peter Brabeck, you know, talking about, you know, his vision, his um, Nestle and how it was going to develop. And I looked at him, how he spoke. And I looked at the, the audience and I looked at him and I looked at the audience and I was writing down notes of his impact as a leader. He was not yet CEO, but on the way. And... Uh, I don't know what happened, what, what stung me, but I sent him the letter. And he responded back and said, thank you. But life had it that I met him at another event. And uh, at that event, was, which was a buffet, at one point he comes and sits down next to me and justifies why you know, he didn't have time to do a good job. And yet I, I gave him a lot of compliments too, because he's a powerful leader and charismatic. But I made a few suggestions. And I, I don't know, again, I said, uh, well, I think I can help you so that you speak to all different profiles and types. Okay, I said, okay. 
I'll meet you at such and such a date in such and such a place. And due date comes in. Here, I just let left banking, huh? And uh, I see him, it was a swarm of people trying to breathe his same oxygen because he was a powerful leader, you know? And I said, oh, a groupie, I'm not. That's why I left the corporate world. I don't want to do politics. I, right. And so, and then I realized what I was doing. My God. Then I started shaking. Oh, my God, what am I going to tell him? You know, now I got the appointment and everything. And so, uh, and he gave me a chance. He gave me a chance. And I started working on some of his uh, uh, visions and editing on his uh, strategic vision for his top 200 people for the year and a half that followed. I would have paid to read it, but okay. So that gave me a boost, especially in the beginning when I just started my business, that gave me a boost of confidence. And he is brilliant and charismatic. And what a joy to be able to read his strategies. So I thank him today, every day. Right. What I love about that example that you shared is here is this person who is already seen as a great leader, is on his way up the ladder, and still somebody who doesn't have all the confidence, who's not doing everything necessarily right, has room for improvement, and is willing to go out there and get the support and guidance and knowledge that is needed so that he could continue going down this path. So you know, it just goes to show it doesn't matter what level you are as a leader, there's still more that you can learn and guidance that you can get when you let others into your circle and your sphere of influence. Very well summarized because he did uh, listen and he did have a fabulous career and became CEO and then he became uh, on the board of Nestle, then chairman of the board. And he's a wonderful person. Good. All right. Well, thank you, Katrina, so much for coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. It was great talking with you today. Thank you so much. Your pleasure to talk to. Thank you. Are you ready to build the team you need to grow your business and want to do it without it requiring all your time? Then I invite you to join the Growing Your Team membership. Let's face it. As a small business owner, you're running a million miles an hour in your business, doing all the tasks and most likely overwhelmed by all the work. You need help, but you're not quite sure where to even start. You know you need to hire support or even a whole team if you want to keep growing your business, but relying on Google for info on how to write job descriptions, find qualified candidates, delegate with ease, or manage your team successfully just isn't cutting it. Why can't you just figure this out on your own? Because hiring and managing a team is hard. They are big projects, big activities that require plans and accountability to happen well. However, imagine what goals you could achieve, clients and customers you could serve, and the revenue growth that could happen with the right people surrounding you in your business. That is exactly why I created the Growing Your Team membership. It's an on-demand training membership and community designed to give you the knowledge and support to hire and manage your team successfully without doing it alone or having to hire an entire agency or recruiting team to do the work for you. If you are ready to build the best team ever in order to grow your business to even greater success, if you're ready to do 
this alongside other inspiring and motivated entrepreneurs. If you're ready to dig in and be supported every step of the way, then we're looking forward to seeing you inside. Head on over to growingyourteam.com slash membership to learn more. Come join us in the Growing Your Team membership. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.